You are listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Pastor Jim Plummer, titled Activating Your Faith, from the series My Friend's Favorite Talks. For more info, visit creekside.org. My subject this morning is, what does faith look like? I owe this thought to a friend, some of you know him, a friend of mine by the name of Milton Stewart. I had lots of time with him. He stayed at my house a lot, and he became one of my kids' favorites because whenever Milton come to my house, they'd get him out in the garage and start playing ball with him. That old man, he couldn't see, but they loved him. One time he was at my house, and I had this little dog that somebody had given to me, and my kids were little, and all of a sudden this dog, in my opinion, died. Just dropped dead, in my opinion. And I didn't know what to do, and my kids started crying, and Brother Stewart was there, and he came walking in the kitchen, and he said, Jim... Have you ever prayed for a dog? I said, no. He said, well, we're going to pray. And he knelt down, and I knelt down, and he prayed for that little dog. Now, I don't know whether it was dead or not. I'm not, you know, I'm just telling you that about five minutes later, that dog is running all over the place. Milton Stewart was a really, really good friend of mine. And it was him who asked me this question, Jim, what does faith look like? He took his thought from Mark, the second chapter, where the man was paralyzed, Jesus was in the house, And they couldn't get in the house with this paralyzed man. They were carrying him to Jesus. You remember the story how that they climbed up on the roof and tore off the thatches and they, four men on a rope, lowered that man, sick and paralyzed, into the presence of Jesus. The scripture says that Jesus looked up and said, thy sins be forgiven thee. Later on in the discussion, because of the Pharisees, he said, take up your bed and walk. The scripture there says, when he saw their faith, what does faith look like? Faith in that case looked like four sweaty brows, eight calloused hands, letting a rope in the presence of Jesus. What does faith look like? James said this. You show me your faith. Show me your faith 
By your works. What does faith look like? Peter makes a really strong statement. In the second chapter he said, Abstain from fleshly lusts that war against men's soul. He said that have your conversation or your life among the Gentiles, whereas they may speak evil of you as evildoers. You know, Christians are not well accepted in the workplace of the world. A lot of times, unbelievers are turned off because of how we talk, pushing the gospel at them. He said, don't do that. He said, you go out while they may speak evil of you. Here's what he said. They may buy your good works which they shall see. Glorify God in the day of visitation. Now, here's what that means, folks. God is going to visit, I believe, every person in the manner of their own understanding. And in this scripture, he said, at that day of visitation, what is it that God will use to speak to people? The answer to my question is, what they see us living out is what God will use to speak to their hearts. So, what does faith look like? Jesus used the visible parables to teach an invisible. My point to you this morning is what does faith look like? Faith, the scripture says, is the substance of things hoped for. Now, it is as we live out our faith, showing our faith, that is the substance of which people see. Faith becomes substance when it is visible by people who live their faith. You get my point? What does faith look like? Now, I need to say to you, where does faith come from? The scripture says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. God says something, we hear something, and it imparts faith. Now, I'm one who believes that every person, every person, Every person has faith. The scripture says that not of works, lest any man should boast, but you are saved by faith, which is a gift of God. The scripture says that God has given to every man. Now, I believe that a certain measure of faith. 
So I'm not talking to anyone that this doesn't resonate with. Whether you are a believer or not, you have faith. Because God has given it to every man. Now, I will tell you that not everybody has activated their faith. Not because they don't have it, but you see, faith has action. Now, attitude toward faith will determine whether or not you put it in place. You see, attitude does determine action, good or bad. I play golf, I get impatient, I start swinging bad, I blame the people in front of me, and then I get impatient again, and I start hitting bad shots. I hit so many bad shots that I say, this is a waste of time, and I quit. My point is a negative, but attitude determines action. And your faith is really activated when you take action based upon your faith or what God says. Now, Abraham is a good illustration of my point. He was making idols over in Iraq today, Ur of the Chaldees. And God shows up to him and says to him, I'm going to give you a land and a people. Now the scripture says that Abraham went out based on what God said. The scripture says that Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. (laughs) What did he do? God said, I'm going to give you land, and he started walking. God gave him a land, and God gave him a people. But his faith was acted out. It wasn't something inward. It was put outward. Now, I want to ask you a question. What does faith look like for you today? If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ by believing and confessing, then you are a righteous person in the eyes of God. I love this. I love this. Do you know that God sees every person who has activated their faith in absolute perfection? Do you know God doesn't see your sin? Why? Because God sees you through the absolute perfection of Jesus Christ. Why? Because you put your faith in him. And the scripture says that he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, 
If you are here today and you have put your faith in Christ, then I want you to know you are saved. You are seated with Christ. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. You have activated your faith and God declares you righteous. If you not, have not activated your faith, hear me, I don't take long in conclusions. You can activate your faith right here and now by believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. That Jesus died and rose again. You are a person who has activated your faith. You understand that? Now I chose as my illustration today a man by the name of Shamgar. You can read about him in the fourth chapter of Judges. Let me explain the Judges. The first, Israel was governed by the law that God gave to Moses. Joshua followed Moses. And they got into the land of Canaan, and God began to lead Israel through what is known as Judges. After the period of Judges came the period of the prophets. And after the prophets came the kings of Israel. So Judges, the period of the Judges, was the period after the law of Moses. Shamgar was one of those judges. Now I want to read to you the times that Shamgar lived. Here's what life was to Israel. The fourth chapter, the sixth verse says, In the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, in the days of Jael, Jael is the one who drove the spike through the head of Sisera when he was hiding out in her tent. That's an interesting little story. Can you imagine that? Just taking the old spike and driving it right through his head. My point is that it says the highways were deserted. The travelers walked along the byways. They couldn't even go out in public. Village life ceased. It ceased in Israel until I, Deborah, now Deborah was a prophetess who became a judge. She rises up, and you, some of her songs were recorded there. But in the days of Deborah, in the days of Jael, in the days of, of Shemgar, there was this woman who was a prophetess. And she said, they chose new gods, there was war in the gates, not a shield or a spear was seen among them, 40,000 in Israel, and not a weapon among them. And then it says, my heart is with the rulers of Israel who offered themselves willingly to the people. In the last verse of the third chapter, we see Shamgar and his faith. I read to you about the times of Shamgar. Now let's talk about how he lived, how he showed his faith. It says, after him, after Ead, was Shamgar, the son of Anath. Now notice what he did. 
Israel as the people are slaves to the Philistines. These mighty people of God are slaves. They can't even go in public. They are victims of sinfulness and unbelief. But I want you to notice something. What does faith look like? Shamgar is my example, and it says, And after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 men of the Philistines. They were giants of people. And he killed 600 of them. What did he do it with? With an ox goad. A stick about eight feet long. Flattened on one end to clean the wheels. Pointed on the other end to goad the oxen. It says that he killed 600 Philistines. And then it says he also delivered Israel. Now, my point to you is, Israel, while they were enslaved, were still the people of God, but they had allowed unbelief or not acting their faith, put them into captivity. But they were the chosen people of God. They were hiding. The highways were deserted. Anarchy in the streets. Village life had ceased. People were worshiping idols. Injustice was what society lived by. And they were disarmed. Listen, we live in a pretty tough culture of today. But it ain't nothing like that. Hear me. How does faith work? How did it work in the case of Shamgar? Well, faith comes by hearing. No matter how long there had been an absence of a prophet. But the scripture says faith comes by hearing. So evidently, Shamgar had heard of the history of Moses. Shamgar had undoubtedly heard of the history of Joshua. But Shamgar right now is a captive slave. But hear me, a captive slave. Now, what I want you to get is a lot of people never act because they don't think they have the anointing to act. They don't feel the shaky hands when they go to pray for you. People don't fall over when you pray for them. So you have a tendency to say, well, what can I do? What I want you to get is that God never asks anybody to do anything supernatural. Because you can't. But what Shamgar did is he did what he was trained and qualified to do. He was a farmer. So one morning, somehow he says, enough is enough. 
I'm tired of being sick and tired. And he gets up, goes to the barn, gets his oxen, puts the harness on it, backs them up to the cart, hooks up the cart, takes the cart to the field and loads what crop he has. What's he going to do? He's going to act like faith. He's going to go do what he would normally do. He starts toward the marketplace. What does faith look like? What does your faith look like? Here's what your faith looks like if you will activate it. Is start acting like you believe what God says. He doesn't ask you to do anything supernatural. Just start acting. Oh, I'm here to tell you, <laughs> yeah, in spite of our great man of faith, the Philistines attack him. And all he's got in his hand is a tool to goad the oxen. And he starts swinging that ox goad. People, Philistines dressed in armor, start falling, 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 falling. And when it's all over with, he's killed 600 men. But that's not the good part. The good part is that people saw what he was doing. And you know what? They started believing in the God of Israel. And the scripture says that he not only killed 600 men, but he set the nation of Israel free. Now, that's pretty good to me. That's pretty good to me because I'm here to tell you that the same faith that Shamgar had is the same faith you have. And what happened is that he simply started, he didn't do anything supernatural, did he? He didn't have any magical prayer. He just rehearsed what he had heard from God through the prophets of old. And he started acting as if it was true. And what he found out was it was true. And I am here to say to you today, that you have the same kind of faith that needs to be shown. It needs to be visible. You see, your faith is what God honors. Now, I will tell you, I'm not asking everybody to go take on the Philistines. You know, 
I've had to learn something about my own faith. When I pastored in Grand Island, Nebraska, I worked hauling trash. And the Lord put a burden in my heart for people who worked with the trash. And God began to save people. People who got saved started talking about Jesus to their friends. And pretty soon this little church that I pastored was full mostly of trash collectors. I come to Martinez. I don't hope nobody, I don't think anybody's still alive that will relate to this or know this. But I will never forget the first day I walked out on the platform. All I could see, pardon me, I am not trying to be difficult, but half of the congregation was women, single widow women above 70 years old. All they knew how to do was to call the pastor and complain about everything. I hated answering the phone on Monday. Because <laughs> I knew it was coming. I could tell you some names that I, if my wife answered it, I'd say, who is it? Because <laughs> there were some of them just bored me to death. <laughs> but I remember saying, God, there's got to be more to this than this. And hear me, all I'm trying to tell you is I started acting like I believe what God called me to do. All of a sudden, people started coming to Jesus. We opened a nightclub down on Main Street called Glory Road and fed all the drug addicts that come to Martinez, the county seat, to pick up their check on the first of the month. People started getting saved getting baptized. You know what my problem was? People, they started coming to church and people had been to church. All when are we going to get some decent people saved around here? <laughs> I got a passion. I've never had a, I've never smoked a cigarette, much less any drugs. I've never tasted a drop of alcohol in my life. And would you believe that God put a passion in my heart for alcoholics? I started going to AA meetings. <laughs> and you know what? They started asking me to talk. <laughs> I talked to them about Jesus. They started showing up in church. They started getting saved. I was asked to speak at a district conference of AA. I never had a drink in my life. Hear me this morning. I've had some, I went to Lodi. It was multiplied Martinez when I came there. All I'm saying is that I started working with rock musicians. And they started getting saved. My parents wouldn't even let me listen to Elvis Presley. 
And I had them come to Christ, and I said, well, Lord, I'm going to use them. So I started having a service called Main Event, and I used famous rock groups' music, shared the gospel. I'm going somewhere. I'm not bragging. I'm going somewhere. And all of a sudden, people just started coming to Jesus. I had to enlarge the, That's what Terry was doing, enlarging the sanctuary. <laughs> Filled that place up. And I've had a great run. But you know what I do now? I take care of my wife who has some physical problems. All I'm saying is that regardless of where you are, be faithful to God. I purpose, though my wife can't remember what I said to her, I promised God that I would be the best caretaker she ever had. Hear me. Hear me. My message to you is start acting wherever you are. Start acting like what God says is you, to you, is true. Why? So we can present to the world what faith looks like. And in the process of doing that, let me tell you something. You'll have what I have. Your kids will have what I had. I had a great heritage of faith in the family. I'm from a family of 12 kids. Here to tell you that in 12 kids, we never, ever, 12 kids never, ever went to a doctor. Why? My parents believed. In healing. <laughs> and they simply acted. Whether you got healed or not, you were supposed to act like you were healed. <laughs> I learned that. I learned to act on what God said. You see, my parents passed a heritage to me. I got some great pictures of what faith looks like. I was seven years old. My younger brother, Joe, and I were playing in a barn out in Sourdough Flats and outside of Belfast, South Dakota. Nobody had a car. We were alone with my mom, and everybody else was off to school. And Joe and I were playing in the old barn, and there was a bottle of black leaf 40 poisoning. Joe, dumb Joe. No, he's a good boy. But he unscrewed it and drank it. He fell over. I run and told my mom something happened to Joe. She come out to the barn and looked at him and picked him up and said, God, you gave him to me. If you want him, take him. But if you don't take him, heal him. And five minutes later, we were playing again in the barn. 
my favorite memories of a childhood was waking up in the middle of the night, cold winters in South Dakota, and hearing my mother crying out to God for her family. We could not go out the door to go to school even if we had no breakfast until we had family devotions. We couldn't go to bed. Remember, there's 12 kids in this family until we had family altar. I learned to read, reading the scripture. A verse, a verse, everybody had to follow and read a verse. And then you had to wait till 12 people plus my mom and dad prayed. My mother prayed so long, I know the Lord had to go to sleep on her. <laughs> when she finished, everybody was asleep. Well, I'm here to tell you, I saw what faith is. My dad said something to me. My dad meant what he said and said what he meant. And never one time did he not keep his word, good or bad. There was never any anger when he used his belt because he told us exactly what he was going to do. It has made it so easy for me to be able to stand here and tell you to listen to what God says because I learned to trust God's word because I learned to trust my Father's word. I have a brother, Paul, when we were in college, was in a truck accident and I was told when I come into the office that they had called an ambulance and on the way home I met this ambulance with my brother in it with lights blaring headed toward the hospital. I went home and got my mom and I said something happened to Paul. We better go to the hospital and we drove to the hospital and we waited and we waited and we waited and finally Dr. Stainsby come out of surgery and my mom walked up to him and said, I'm Paul's mom. I want you to tell me the truth. And he said to her, you ask for it, I'll tell you. If he lives through the night, you will put him on a frame and turn him every half hour the rest of his life. We went home. Walked in the front room and my family was there and my mother exactly said what Dr. Spainsby said. But then she said, Dr. Stainsby, Stainsby doesn't have the last word. We prayed for him. Six months later, he's driving a car. I got a little drag race with him that I won't tell you about, but <laughs> the point is that he married, started pastoring, traveled as an evangelist, started pastoring, 
and never ever we made him do everything we, he did before he was paralyzed from his waist down we knocked him down playing basketball and he slapped us across the head with his crutch <laughs> well I'm telling you he lived a normal life anybody that knew him he never backed down from doing anything and he lived until he was 82 years old. You see, I saw a lot of pictures of faith. And what I want you to do is to give your kids, give your family, give your neighbors some pictures of what faith looks like. I've had some great ones myself. I've had some great things happen in my life. I remember praying when I was pastoring in Nebraska. I had no money, and I was eating eggs, and I'd eaten eggs for about eight or nine days, and three times a day, eggs don't taste good. And my tendency was to say, Lord, and then the Lord quickened me, don't say it, don't say it. And I said, Lord, I'm going to enjoy these eggs as long as they last. The next day, I get a knock on the door. Her name was Millie Robbins. And she said, Pastor, I am embarrassed. But I was standing in the aisle of the old P. Skaggs grocery store, and God gave me a list. And here it is. I remember not having a musician and having to use my 13-year-old daughter. But I said, God, I'm going to be faithful to you with the little things. My kids, one of them playing the piano, the other two singing. And we started changing the culture of a church. Can I tell you something? Ultimately, God gave me so many professional musicians, I am embarrassed to tell you. You see, if you're faithful in the little things, guess what? God will make you rulers over much. I'm here to tell you what does faith look like? Faith looks like a bunch of people no matter where they are or what they're doing. They're walking out their faith. Why? Because people need to know what faith looks like. Now, I learned a lesson in Martinez. I know that clock says zero. I'm about done. But I want to explain myself. One morning, I grew up with long altar calls. I practiced in how to get people to respond. And one morning in Martinez, I was doing my eloquent thing. And I knew there was a guy there that needed to get saved. And I am working him. I am working him, and he is like this. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said to me, you don't think I know how to save people. 
To this day, I have never given that kind of an altar call. Because here's what happened. I dismissed that service. He went home. His son went home. About an hour and a half later, his son called me on the phone. said, Pastor, you'll never believe what just happened. He said, we're sitting at the dinner table and my dad asked me, how do you get saved, son? I'm here to tell you that no matter where you are, I'm not looking for hands and I don't get paid by the response. I am here for one reason only. The church needs to act like the church. And how do you act like the church? You start acting out your faith. The world is being fixed tonight. You can hit yourself, channel.